Yeah, there was this old jazz musician. He passed away, but I got to sit next to him when I was playing in Illinois Jackets big band. And most of these guys were older guys. The trumpet section that I was sitting in, Johnny Grimes was in his 70s. I was just out of school. I was in my 20s. And so Irvin Stokes, who sat next to me, he used to always say, everything's everything. Everything's everything, right? So now it sounds like some like kind of like, you know, some mystical jazz musician mumbo jumbo. But man, here we are like full circle. That's what we're saying. We're saying everything's everything. Like it's kind of like if you understand the root, like all this other stuff that you can kind of get with it, you know? I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. The world is glued together with stories. Yep, stories. Stories like the ones that maybe someone read to you as a child, or perhaps stories that have been told from memory or conjured from imagination. Remember those days when a well-told tale dreamed you into another world more real than the one that you call my life? It's easy as an adult to ignore the magic of story and the profound way that stories will shift your perception and your feeling. As adults, we look at story and think of it as a child's toy, but look deeper and you'll see stories are serious business. Serious enough that people throughout history have been more than willing to see others as less than human because of the story of what gives birth to the world, or of what happens after we die, or how we spend the intervening time in between those two. Stories are the prisms that reflect different aspects of what it means to be human. Our stories can connect or draw the battle lines of entitlement, privilege, righteousness, or grievance. Look around you right now. The story of Black Lives Matters, the narratives of immigration, or protecting yourself with deadly force, the stories of wearing masks or not, and then there's the stories of unfairness or of how an economy should run and how you should structure a society. We stand by our stories. Stories draw the lines between us and them. Intelligence versus stupidity, the right side of history versus those who are going to get their comeuppance, hmm, and they deserve it too. The thing about stories is that they're not like a simple child's fairy tale or instructive proverb. Stories are intermingled and entangled in ways that quickly overwhelm our ability to see what's connected to what. Like an iceberg, there's what we see, but it's only a small portion of the reality. Our human consciousness is pretty good at sharp laser focus and bringing particular details to light, but we are awful at seeing the larger pictures and especially trends over time, and even worse at seeing how seeming opposites might be connected to each other as an integrated whole. Stories are powerful because there is a human tendency to desire consistency. We want to seem like we make sense to ourselves from moment to moment. It's hard to live under the tyranny of making sense to ourselves. There's a comfort in living through a story with its clear demarcations that has a standing for all the right things. We all have a personal mythology, a pantheon of modern gods and goddesses, poetic odysseys and heroes' journey challenges. Having stories is not the problem. Indeed, stories just might be the solution. The question is, who's doing the telling and who's doing the listening? In a moment, we're going to get into a conversation on music, medicine, and how everything we've done in life can be brought to the study and the practice of Chinese medicine. 
Barry Danielian has made his living as a professional musician. Music and martial arts led him to acupuncture school, where he's now coming down the home stretch of his education. Both acupuncture and music require a flexible mind and heart that are rooted in solid fundamentals. It's not surprising that we often use the metaphor of playing jazz when doing an acupuncture treatment. Both require the ability to be present, attuned, and effortlessly flexible from moment to moment. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. 
Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. All right, friends, let's get into this conversation on how music and medicine are both rooted in fundamental core concepts that need to be endlessly practiced so that in the moments of engaging our work, we can forget those fundamentals and let the music play through us. Barry Danielian, welcome to Geological. Hey, Michael. Very happy to be here. I'm very happy to have you here. I We had some email exchange a little while back. You're a student. It's always been a surprise to me that that student... Well, I shouldn't say it's always been a surprise. It used to be a surprise that students listened, and now I realize that... Uh, that they do. And it's, it's, it's kind of near and dear to my heart, but there were some things that we emailed about that really got my attention. We're going to get into it here in just a couple of minutes. So I'm, I'm really thrilled to have you here. Cool. It's it's great to be here. And and I should say at the outset that your podcast has been a huge resource for me personally, because as you know, this, this topic of Chinese medicine is such a vast universe. And if you're a person, I think that people who are curious by nature, have that inquisitive mind, tend to be drawn to this. This has been my my experience at school. And so for me, a lot of the classes have, they've taught me a lot, but they've put question marks. Like there's a lot of question marks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so your podcast and some of the people that you've had on have been really, really helpful in in answering some of those question marks, but also adding more. So it's been great. And and you should also know that a lot of the teachers um, put links to your podcast as things for us to check out and listen to. And that becomes topics for discussion in some of our classes. So for me, it's been a huge resource. And I can say like across the board for a lot of my friends, the podcast is a huge resource and helps to clarify. And, and, and like in anything, you look to those who are already doing what you seek to do to learn from their path, to learn, you know, what they did when they were us. And now I got out in my first 10 years, I made these mistakes or I did this great. And so all of that's also helpful in a pragmatic way, but also like for me personally, like being like an herb geek, hearing all the different ways that people conceptualize Shan Han Lung and all the different ways that people conceptualize all these things it really resonates with me as a musician and and particularly as an arranger. Cause as I said, in one of our email exchanges for me, herbal formulas is very much like arranging music. There's so many common things that, that the thought process of it was something that I kind of got, even though it was a, a lot of work memorizing all the stuff, the, 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 the structure of how it works and how it seeks to work and how things work together and complement each other and all that, for my brain, it's like, oh, this is like like writing for a horn section. It's like orchestrating for strings. It's, it's the same thought process. You know, I, I love that, that you think of this as, as like orchestrating some music. I know that when I was studying, and I think we still do this, we break it up by like the emperor herb and the deputy herb and all that. It'd be great to take 
and look at it from the point of view of like, well, here's the bass section, right? Right. And here's the violins, mm -hmm. right? And here's, uh, I don't know, here's a piccolo. Right. Or, uh, you know, here's a timpani. Right. You know, or just break it up in different ways like that. I, I had a teacher who once suggested as we were learning pulses uh, to really learn how to feel it, just like feel it. Before you think it, feel it, right? And it's like, does that pulse remind you of a song? Does it have a, does it have a tune? Right? You want to hum something when you feel it. Again, it's not a way of diagnosing. It's a way of attending to and paying attention to right. using our vast sensorium. And music, of course, is an incredible aspect of our sensorium. Uh, you as a musician have had a chance to develop that. And, and so it's very exciting to hear that you're bringing this into our Chinese medicine world. Well, you know, it's... It's funny because in so many ways, we live in this society that talks about specialization. Mm. You know, I'm this and I'm that. And I focus on the, even in the world of Western medicine, I'm a shoulder guy, I'm a knee guy, I'm a this guy, I'm a that guy. And I think the thing that, that I perceive about, and again, I say this like with a lot of like trepidation and deference and respect, because I am a student, I'm just at the beginning of this. But what I perceive is that like music, this is a medicine really rooted in relationships of things, how things mm -hmm. relate to one another and how those relationships unfold in the time space continuum, just like music, because I can look at, I could look at a score and I could look at, well, how did Mahler write this particular thing and look at it like in a, a, um, you know, in a vertical plane. And that might give me a certain insight into it, but, the truth is, is that thing is happening in a flow of time and space. And so it's not just that thing, but it's how did it get there and how does it go afterwards and all that. And so to me, like we're seeing our patient, like I saw a couple patients today and how are you today and why are you here today and all that. But in the back of my mind, I'm trying to get like a picture of what's the overall What's the flow of this person? How, mm -hmm. how is this person flowing through life and their physical being and their emotional being? Some of it is like intuitive. When I, when I, like, I don't, I, I really am drawn to pulses and I think I have a pretty good intuitive sense for it. But like, I, I would just, think you would as a musician, I would think that would naturally resonate in a deep way. I think like for me at this point, like pulses and channel palpation are the two things that just really resonate with me. And one because of music and the other because of martial arts, because it's stuff that I've been doing in some form or another already my whole life. So I'm listening to the pulses and I say listening because to me, that's what it is. I'm listening mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to just feel the flow of their pulse, like feel what is it telling me? Like without, is it deep? Is it shallow? Is it wire? Is it slippery? Without getting into all that, just try to feel it. Like listening to a piece of music, I'm not trying to analyze it. What does that music do to me when I hear it? And what does that tell me about the music by way of my feeling it? And then later I can analyze, oh, wow, man, he voiced that G7 chord. That's so cool the way he voiced it. But that's irrelevant on a certain level if I'm not able to feel what it is that that music is doing to me. Right. You're looking to get the message of it. The first. message of it. Yeah. So I think like, I mean, I'm, I'm 58, soon to be 59. So for me, it's like, well, I need to use all the tools that I've already developed over a lifetime of, I've been playing music since I was six, playing trumpet since I was eight and doing martial arts since I was 12. So I have to bring those things with me into this medicine because they're tools that I've already developed over a lifetime. And, 
they're tools that really seem to work evidenced by I meet so many musicians and martial artists that are doing Chinese medicine. I mean, they may not be professional musicians, but so many of my teachers play music and are martial artists. And there just seems to be some intersection of these things that um, that the medicine like can is a container that it can hold that information in. And it's valuable, you know, to, yes. to use. Well, you know, we, we so often talk about resonance <sighs> in our medicine. It's just, it's everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, when I hear the word resonance, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, music. Sound, music, yeah. Sound, music, of course. There, I mean, there it is. So you're almost 59. You're yeah. pushing 60, brother. Dude, man. You're pushing 60 and you're in Chinese medicine school. I know, crazy, right? How did that happen? I feel like, um, remember the movie Apocalypse Now when he says, you know, Kurtz went into like special forces when he was 48 and it almost killed me when I was in my 20s. That, that's how I feel. It's a lot of work. Like I used to be the guy that like you put a piece of music in front of me. I play it one time. I've got it memorized. I can like at 58, those skills are maybe a little like deficient. So I've really had to work really hard at that part of the medicine, all the, me the didactic, the memorization, the me all that stuff has mm -hmm. been a real chore for me. But the other stuff actually comes pretty easy to me. It really does. And I don't say that with any arrogance at all. Mm -mm. I say that with humility, with incredible humility. But the part of feeling what's going on with a person, palpating channels and kind of knowing, yeah, he, and, and feeling where points are. I've been putting my hands on people for so many years in the martial arts world, I can kind of feel where stuff is. And so I'm kind of learning to trust that. And I've, I've told a bunch of my teachers, look, I don't trust my brain in terms of the diagnosis yet but I trust what I feel. Your hands know. Yeah, my hands know. And they're all like, go with that. Like, go with that. And then refer back to the diagnosis and check check boxes and all that. But ultimately, this is a medicine of feeling what's going on and trusting palpation. And so that that's what I'm kind of leading with, I guess. that That's what, you know, I'm, I'm trying to develop confidence in that. Well, it sounds like you've got confidence in your feeling. And it sounds like you've got confidence in your rhythm. And you've got confidence in being able to like catch a tune, so mm -hmm. to speak. And I, I mean, it seems to me that in our lives, we don't throw anything away. We may do something at a certain point in life and like walk away from that or do something different, but that experience informs us in some way. And sometimes we come back around to it again. I spent like 10 years doing high tech before I did acupuncture. Mm. And I really thought when I left that job, it's like, yep, that's the end of that. I mean, I'll use computers in my practice, but that's the end of that. Right. No, it's not. I mean, look what I'm doing now. Right. What I'm doing now is rooted in what I used to do. Right. It, it rhymes with it. I bet. And it makes sense to me, especially the older we get and the less we have the mental firepower that we had in our 20s, say that we lean on this other, um, I don't, I'm reluctant to use the term wisdom. Let's just say, I, I think it's helpful to rely on our accumulation of ex distilled experience. Yeah. Things yeah. that somehow they come forward with us and they're reliable. We can trust it, right? The way that you can put your hands on someone and trust it, because you've been putting your hands on people for decades. Yeah. So there's yeah. something trustworthy that comes forward. 
that's not didactic. It's not mental. We don't have a mental model for it, but boy, howdy, can we embody it? Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And and for me personally, the other thing is like, I've been involved in two things that are ego crushers, ego destroyers, music and martial arts. Because the truth is, is that I could live to be a hundred and never scratch the surface of all there could be to learn about music. It's just impossible, you know, and the same thing with martial arts. So having your ego crushed, you know, that that's a good place to be actually, because for me, I'm not afraid to be wrong. And in fact, I'm happy to be wrong because my experience has taught me that the wrong things are the things that you learn from the most. Like when I go to a gig and I've had them plenty of times where I just fell on my face, I learned more from that than I did on the gigs where I went in and I played great. Likewise, in the martial arts, when I got my ass kicked, that I learned so much from that. That helped me to be better. And I've done that enough over the course of my life that I no longer am at the point where like I'm afraid to be wrong. I'll blurt out wrong in class all the time and be like make an ass of myself. But I don't care because now the teacher's going to teach me how I went wrong and I'm going to learn that lesson way more. That That's going to like embed into me more than when I blurted out and I got it right. Does that does that make sense? I mean, it, it makes so much sense. I, I went to uh, my wife's niece from China lives with us. She's been here for a few years now. And uh, so we go to the parent teacher conferences at her school because we're, you know, we're kind of her folks. And uh, I went to this math class and the teacher had on the wall. It had this little quote from someone and said something to the effect of when you're getting it right, you're practicing. When you're getting it wrong, you're learning. Mm. I just went, yes, that's not just mathematics. That's medicine. It's music. I mean, it's everything, you know, it's so true. And I mean, oh my God, there's so many times I can, I mean, it's so weird. I mean, I can still remember when I was in school, even though it's been over 20 years at this point. I mean, some things just kind of stick with you. And I can remember sometimes listening to teachers talking or or even like listening to certain you know quote luminaries in the field talking and i would have no flipping clue what they were talking about mm. and what i would say to myself at that moment was well i just don't understand it very well and you know maybe if i pay attention i'm a good student blah 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 i'll understand it later i wish if i i don't have many regrets in life but if i could go back to those moments instead of saying i'm not smart enough to understand this if I could lean on the same curiosity that I have right now, which has been like beaten into me through years of experience, it would be to do exactly what you do. You ask the question, maybe you fall on your face, maybe it's stupid, maybe it's not, but it's an opportunity to learn something. It's an opportunity to clarify. Here's what I've learned over the years. Sometimes some of those things that some people said, it was not clear. Here's another thing I discovered. Sometimes things that I heard people say and I didn't follow it, it's because these days I think it's bullshit. Right. I have disagreements with it. But back then I didn't trust myself to throw myself into it that way. So I think it's great. I mean, this is one of the benefits of aging, right? Well, it definitely I is. Right. I don't care if I'm right. I just right. want to get it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't care about the grade. I don't care about haggling over a point of, uh, you know, well, I should get, I should get half a point for that answer. You know, I really don't care about that because like in music, in all of the years that I've been playing, nobody has once ever asked me, 
What was your grade in harmony class? What was your grade in ear training class? They might ask me where I went to school because they know some guys that went to Berkeley too or whatever it might be. But nobody's ever asked me. At the end of the day, all they care about is that it sounds good and that I'm delivering what they need from me to deliver. And I suspect that it's the same thing with this. That that is that knee better? Yeah, the knee's better. How much better? Man, it's almost like it's 90% better from last week. Ta-da. Ta-da. That's it. Right? That's right. it. They don't care about, you know, well, how come you needled, you know, this or needled, like they just need to feel better. It's oversimplifying, but it's not oversimplifying. Well, there are some basics, and I think the basics are simple. The application of those basics. All right, now now we're getting into complexity. Now we're getting into complex interactive systems. Right. But the fundamentals, somewhat simple, not to be confused with easy. Right, of course, of course. And, and, and this is the thing. Um, you can't see it right now, but behind me is a music book on my music stand. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical, and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. I see it. I mean, we, those of you listening, we, we've got actually a video connection for this piece, but yeah, you, and you got a bunch of damn books back there too. I got tons of books. I'm, 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 I just got this book, man. I'm so excited about this Bob Flaws, Medicinal Wines and Elixirs. Mm. Cause I'm so fascinated. Well, we'll, maybe we'll get into that in a bit, but anyways, this music book, I've been practicing out of these same books, like since I was a kid. Seriously. You're still practicing those basics. The same thing. And and the first time, like when I finally got like a real legit boxing coach, like on a heavy level boxing coach, old Italian guy, he's passed away. But he sat me down next to me. He said, look around the gym. What do you see? And so, of course, I'm trying to come up with some smart, like highfalutin thing to say that will impress him. And I did. And I and it was wrong. And he said, everybody, everybody's doing the same thing. See that guy? That's Buddy McGirt. He's two-time welterweight champion. That guy over there is about to try out for the Olympic team. They're all doing the same thing. The only difference is, is the level in which they're doing it at. They're all doing fundamentals. So it's it's that depth of fundamentals. Same thing with playing trumpet. And, and I'm sure it's the same thing with Chinese medicine, that the depth in which you engage those foundational principles that's, you know, it's like the tree, the deeper the root grows, the, the bigger the tree grows. And the-, the taller it can grow. If you have the stronger your foundation, the more you can support it. I would agree with you on that. I really would. And, and increasingly, I come back again and again and again to five phases, 
six confirmations. Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it in? Is it out? Is it wet? Is it dry? I mean, the stuff we learned in our first month of school, I come back to it again and again. Whenever I'm starting to get fancier, whenever things aren't working, it's like, all right, Mr. Max, so is it excess? Are you dealing with excess or deficiency here? Actually, what are we looking at? Is it excess or deficiency? And how do you know? Whenever I get lost, man, that's my con. That's my north star, right there. I bet. I bet. And, and you know, the 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 teachers at school who have been the most influential and impactful on me, this is a thing that they stress over and over again. Like always, bring it back to that. Always bring it back to that. The big takeaway for me is even though a person could engage in many different streams or many different pursuits, but this kind of underlying logic of how you learn something and how you embody something, there seems to be like common threads that run through that process. And so that's what I've tried to tap into in this pursuit of Chinese medicine, of learning this medicine, and, and hopefully in a short while being able to practice it and uh, and help people. It's not so much different than what I've been doing my whole life with music and with martial arts. I mean, it is, but it's not the... the the unfolding of it and how one embodies and also science, art, science, art. There are, mm-hmm. things, you know, that, that thing that. Um, There's an artificial line that's drawn between those are both ways of understanding, perceiving, sensing, and working with the world. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me, my friend, because again, I don't think we leave anything behind. When I first got into computers, I was, this was like back in the, mid 80s, I stumbled into it. It's like a technology translator. I didn't know how to program a computer, but I figured out how to use them to like write papers for school. And I could explain them to other people that suddenly gave me a superpower. Because most people, they couldn't even use a word processor back then. I had a career in technology because I could help people solve problems they couldn't solve on their own using a technology that they didn't understand. That was my job. Right. Today, my job is helping people solve problems that they can't solve on their own using a technology they don't understand. How about that? I got the same job. How about that? My job has not changed, right? Your job in, I'm using job in air quotes here. Right, right. Right. And how you work with rhythm and connection with other people and resonance and all that. Of course, it would translate to China, you know, into the Chinese medicine work you do. Yeah. It, It all makes sense to me. It really does. Yeah. So tell me, what does Dizzy Gillespie, Paul Simon, Queen Latifah, Bruce Springsteen have in common with Chinese medicine? Well, I guess me, huh? Yeah, I've been very fortunate, man. Very fortunate. Um, Because there's no shortage of great trumpet players. There really isn't. I mean, they just keep coming, man, you know. But I've been very fortunate. and, And I also think that, like, I love all kinds of music. And that's been a huge asset for me, like, because, you know, I like, I guess my home base is jazz and improvised music, because for a musician, it's the most challenging thing. Um, The amount of language that one has to internalize and deploy in the moment in response to interactions with other musicians, that's a a really, um, it's such a challenging and beautiful thing. But I, there's there's also been this other stream of my career, which has been like the studio guy who I go in, 
I go into the studio. I have no idea what they're going to put in front of me. And I have to kind of suss it out and deliver the goods as quickly as possible. And part of that has been like that I just love all kinds of music. So when I go into a session with Queen Latifah or with Tony Bennett or with whoever it is, like I kind of, yeah, I get the vibe of this. I know what this is. I know what the language that they're speaking is. And I can speak in that language with them. And that's been, I think that's been something that's just been an asset for me in my career. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just feel really fortunate, you know, like my wife jokes and she's, well, when people ask me, who you've played with. I said, it's easier for me to tell them who you haven't played with. Um, <laughs> and, and again, that's no brag really uh, because it's not bragging if it's true. Well, it's true, but I say it with humility because mm -hmm. most of my friends, my trumpet player friends are some of the greatest trumpet players in the world that, you know, and I'm just proud to call them friends and to be able to sit next to them and, and play music with them. But, you know, I've had a great career and I've been very fortunate and, and there's a certain, I guess, at this stage of my life, I can look back with a longer view and say, wow, you know what? You know, you set out to do this thing when you were a little kid sitting in your bedroom in New Hampshire, like playing along with Chicago records and Blood, Sweat and Tears records, dreaming about this stuff. Like you did it. You you, you did what you set out to do. And, and it's taken me on this path. And really, it was being a tour, touring musician that kind of led me to Chinese medicine because I was having like digestive issues and hemorrhoids and all kind of like the stuff that you would naturally think of. You get done with the show, you go on the tour bus, there's some shit food waiting for you, but you're starving. So you eat it and then you crawl in your bunk and you pass out and you, you, you drive, you know, re repeat that over months of being on the road, mm -hmm. your, your middle jowl, your spleen is going to get torched destroyed right destroyed so like that led me to you know dr huang huang another huang huang interestingly enough who practices out of a little tiny herbal shop in chinatown and i'd go in and he would feel my pulses and like that really wow what is this like he'd almost go into a trance and really for a long time he'd feel the pulse and he'd look at my tongue and he'd ask me these like not a lot of questions but very like insightful, like, wow, how did he know that? He'd write out the little script and send it up to the front. And I'd watch as all this stuff came out, like weeds and seashells and all this. I'm like, wow, this is so what cool. Hell is that? Right? <laughs> and I would get better. Mm -hmm. And my wife went to him and I've sent so many people, musician friends to him over the years. So there was Dr. Huang, and then there was Tom Bissio's clinic, the famed Fifth Street Acupuncture Clinic, where all the martial artists and dancers, and you know, I'd go to Tom and I'd be bashed up because we both studied with the same Filipino martial arts teacher. And I'd be in there with my foot blown up and, all right, bleed the Jing Wells and put on the poultice. I didn't know at that time that that's what they were doing. But now I, and then, all right, come back in a couple of days. I come back in a couple of days. The black and blue is almost completely gone. The swelling is almost completely gone. Okay, we need to set the bone so that, you know, well, I'm back in the gym training again, you know, over and over throughout the course of maybe 15 years of going to that clinic for various things, even trumpet-related stuff, TMJ, and my face hurts. And, you know, I thought I was having all these problems. I went to Western doctors, and they're doing tests, and we can't find anything. And I go in and Tom like gives me a formula and does some treatments and two treatments later and I'm no longer in pain. And I'm like, wow, this is like fascinating. This is so fascinating. Like I just was drawn to it, you know? 
And then, of course, the martial arts movies and seeing that always fascinated me, too, that the guy would get injured and he'd run into the shop and the, with the palm print on his back and they would bleed it and like all that, you know, just, wow, this this notion of, you know, and this is what my Filipino martial arts teacher, that we use the triangle a lot to learn about angles and structure. But he said, well, the top of the triangle is spiritual man. And then the bottom two is warrior healer. Mm -hmm. And those three things, those three accesses, and it's the spiritual man that lets me know which way I need to go. But there's always the balance between those three things. So that, right. that, because you need both, you need both. Yeah. You need both. I, I was just doing a talk the other day about uh, authority actually. And, and I see it as like this balance along the pericardium gallbladder spectrum, right? The aggression of the gallbladder when it's needed, set a boundary, hold it and force it as strongly as you need to, but then you need that inner wisdom mm -hmm. that guides the action. Right. So all these things, you know, these little tidbits that I've picked up along the way and all this stuff, like it, it just kind of, I'm, I'm old enough now to trust, to trust my instinct about how to look through those lenses and that I can look through those lenses, even though it may not be specifically from the textbook in Chinese medicine, it's a lens that I can look through that helps me to understand what I'm learning in these books. Yes. Well, but it rhymes with what's in the Chinese medicine textbook, doesn't it? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah totally you know, rhymes with it. Totally rhymes with it, yeah. without a doubt. You know, there's something else that you said just a few minutes ago about how your love of music is the foundation of what drove you through your career because of your love for it. You know, the love, the fascination, what does that allow you to do? It allows you to work really hard. It allows you to actually not experience it as work, but experience it as journey. You know, experience it as exploration, experience it as, you know, an unfolding inquiry into something that you can't get enough of, right? Love can power you through stuff like that. And so you've arrived here in Chinese medicine, you know, it, it, I mean, it sounds like it's that same love of inquiry. Yeah, totally. And it's also like, like, has it ever been quenched for you? Like, isn't there always like, there's just net, like it never ends, right? It's, that's the good news. Right. Right. I used to think, oh, at some point I'm going to like really understand Chinese medicine. There's like a grand theory of unification. I'm going to understand all these different parts and see how it all fits together. And now I realize how wrong that was because it's the plurality. It's the, it's the fantastic diversity. You're never going to unify this thing other than stepping far enough back from it that you can appreciate it like sitting on the moon and looking at the earth. Right. Right. It's this incredible ecosystem of various methods that come out of a few simple bits of foundation. Yeah, it's really incredible. And, and, and this, this is another thing like for, for me that your podcast has provided is so many streams. Like there's the guys that tend to look, it seems to me, from a, a mechanical standpoint you know, like orthopedics and that type of thing, where really we're dealing with the mechanical expression of the body, how the body moves in that standpoint. Is it a hinge? Is it a gliding joint? Is it, you know, which muscles are contracting while the other ones are relaxing? And how do those balances affect the person's arm from being able to move? Then there's all the way in the other side of like that those movements, if we dig down deep enough, the dysfunction in those mu those movements are somehow rooted in some 
a trauma that could have happened like decades ago or some kind of an, a, an emotion that's been held onto and like kind of sealed off and buried deep inside. And if we can get to that and untangle all that and, and let that like, let it free to kind of metabolize out in a natural way, then now this, this thing that's impinging the shoulder starts to go away. Like what a complete opposite way of looking at it. And they're both right. You know, it's like, and to me, this is the beauty of this medicine is that it's a container that can hold all of that, which is, you know, and so for me, it's like, well, I can listen to Earth, Wind and Fire and like groove my ass off and like just be so like filled with joy. And I can listen to Mahler's Fifth Symphony and feel the same thing. And I wouldn't want to be without either one of them. And mm -hmm. music is a container that can hold all of that, too. And our medicine, our medicine contains all that as well. And I mean, I often feel some dismay at how we argue with each other you know oh this is right and that's bullshit and this is the true medicine and that's oh that's like somehow informed by western medicine it's you know less than pure or oh you know han medicine han medicine is the ultimate medicine it's all degraded from there i mean you know we've all got our little uh ballywax you know or places that we like to practice or maybe it's just you know human nature to go well here's my thing and, you know, this is my brand and, you know, I'm putting my roots down here and like staking a claim. I mean, I get that too. I, I, I get that part too. Do you think that's a uniquely Western phenomenon? I've never been to China and engaged with practitioners that are from that culture. I think it's, I, I'm going to go philosophical here and say, I think it's something we do as human beings because we have egos. Right. I think it's you're right. Just, it, I think it's built into the animal. Um, having an ego is really helpful because it allows us to like really navigate and do some shit in the world. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but you also said that one of the great things about music is that it's really beaten some things out of you. Yeah. Beating yeah. some humility. In, so can we say beaten humility into you? That's kind of a violent. Uh, anyway, I think we learn humility through our failures. That's probably the best way to say it. Yeah. No, and I think. I think I think it's, those are necessary lessons because like, especially in the beginning, it's like, you got to stand up and you got to go, yeah, I know my stuff. Look at me. I, I got some things here. I got some chops. Look at this. And then you, and then you really go play with a hot musician. It's like, um, my chops aren't like those. I got some work to do. Yeah. You get spanked. You get, you get spanked. spanked. Yeah. Yeah. You really do. And, but it's, you know, or it's like, man, I think I really did a great treatment for that patient. They come back next week and you find out it's twice as bad. Right as it was. And so there's all these necessary moments along the way where, oh, I wasn't seeing what I thought I was seeing. And and can we like keep some sort of fortitude that lets us learn from that? Right. Right. Because then we actually do get better. And, and I think humility comes out of a lot of failure. Um, but at the same time, a lot of, it's kind of a cultivation. I'm going to put it in the cultivation category. Well, I, th I think you're right. I think I've been, I've been studying Sufism for a long time. And a big part of that tradition is how to purify the self. And, and by the self, what we're really talking about is the ego. What we're really talking about is that. And, and what are the tendencies of the ego? What, what are our tendencies? So in other words, 
the scenario that you just described, the patient comes back the next week and he's worse than he was the previous week. So a wis an, an ego that is constrained by wisdom would say, okay, this is actually going to give me a lot more information. If I can take myself out of the equation, the self, right? If I can use wisdom to constrain the self, I'm actually going to end up probably being able to give them a better treatment because now I know all this stuff that didn't work. Exactly. I, I had a teacher, fairly well-known guy in the Seattle area, and sometimes he'd get patients after two or three other acupuncturists weren't able to help them. And he'd often be able to help them. And he used to say, well, it wasn't that hard because somebody already tried the kidney deficiency. That didn't work. They already tried the spleen. Right. Route. That didn't work. So, you know, I knew not to do that. Just knowing what not to do can be so helpful. Totally. I mean, this is why I love Dr. Huang Huang's work, right? The herbal Dr. Huang Huang that, mm -hmm. um, not, not the one that treated you, but you know, the, the book. The, book yeah because when you use that model and you look through that model there's a bunch of stuff that you can at least for the moment probably safely put off to the side you don't need to look at the whole realm of herbal formulas with this person given who they are the problems they have their constitution you know what let's start with a, some kind of wager formula right it's probably the place to go it helps to know what to screen out yeah, it's kind of like it's it's like sculpting. It's like what Bruce Lee talked about in the Tao of De, uh, of Jeet Kune Do. He said it's it's daily decrease. It's it's hacking away the unessentials, right? Daily decrease. We're we're like in 2020, the internet age. Everyone's trying to add more stuff. Right. Take know what to take away. Right. Ooh. I think that's a huge, you know, it's a huge lesson because we are in the age where we want to I mean, this has been the great lesson for me during COVID is man, you, you can do with without, like you can really do without a lot of this stuff. And, you know, for a musician, like self-isolation, like you got to be like into that because you're going to be, if you want to be good, you got to lock yourself away in a room and you got to spend a lot of hours in the woodshed by yourself with the book, getting your butt kicked for years and years and years and years. And if, you, if you're not like embracing that, then unless you have like a divine gift that you were just born with it, you're probably not going to be able to get there because you have to, at least for a certain portion of your life, you got to lock yourself away in the woodshed and go at it like that. I've got a, I've got a younger brother who locked himself away in the woodshed. He's a timpanist. Mm -hmm. um, he's a pro. And, you know, I remember growing up with him. Uh, I spent a lot of time not in the house. I bet <laughs> he was not locked in the woodshed. He was in his room and mine was right next to his. Right. And he was, he was doing what you were probably doing. You know, he had these big speakers, right? Cause he was into music and he was playing records and he was uh, drumming to Stan Kenton. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and um, he was really into jazz. Um, and at a certain point he re he thought, I'm not good enough to do jazz. So he went to, <laughs> so he went to classical. Right. Interesting. <laughs> but you know, it's that same thing. You've got to be willing to, put the time in. Um, I spent some time in Taiwan learning a little Chinese and oh my God, I am like the dullest tool in the shed when it comes to learning language. Some people are really good at it. They got a knack. I had no knack, but here's what I could do. And I think I learned it from my brother, like just growing up and watching him. I locked myself in the shed. Right.
I'd like write characters until I could pronounce them. I'd write characters until, you know, I was dreaming about them. The weird thing was, is after I learned how to write a character, I could then hear the sound. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear the tones until I learned how to write them. Interesting. Just some weird neurological glitch in my head. But it, yeah, there really is something. And I, th I think we're missing it a lot in the world at this moment of being able to step away from all the noise, all the input. Ooh. Oh my God, you know, the, the internet is just like crack cocaine. Yeah, I got I got off uh, social media. I've been off Facebook for two years, man. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was the best move I ever made. I have to thank my wife for it. My wife, um, she saw things that I wasn't seeing in terms of how it was affecting me. What did she see? What was she noticing? Um, well, aside from the obvious, which is the incredible amount, amount of time wasted, mm. I think I was feeding my ego in a very subtle kind of a way. And I think at a certain point, I had to be honest about that, even though I don't see myself as that type of a person. And I'm not a bragger or like, look at me, I've done this. But just the nature of it is kind of almost, it almost leads you down that path. And then the endless, endless polemics, just constant, like people arguing. And, and it's not arguing to get to a higher level of understanding. It's just almost arguing for argument's sake. And it's, you know, it, it reminded me of high school, like pissing contests and stuff. Like, sorry to, to use that vulgar description, but. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Well, but it is. Yeah. It is. It, it seems to bring out the worst in us. It's easy to be mean to people that you don't know. Right. Keyboard warriors, you know. Keyboard warriors, yeah. You know. Um, yeah, so, so and, and then a few weeks ago, we watched this. Um, my wife, God bless her. She, she, she insisted that as a family, we watch this Netflix documentary about the whole social media and the people who you know, the guy who created the like button and all that stuff and what they, we watched it last week. And so it was like, Whoa, okay. It's a, it's a real eye opener. It's a real eye opener. Yes, sir. When the people that develop the technology don't want their kids playing with it. Yeah. You know, something's afoot. So solitude, you know, and quietude mm -hmm. and turning inward and, and, and doing with less and, and having real connection 
not like kind of artificial connection, but like sitting there, like, man, I'm having dinner with my wife and my kids every night and we're talking and like when I'm not running off to the gig and, you know, of course I wish gigs would come back and I haven't played a live gig since March 12th, which is a drag, you know, but man, I'm having dinner with my wife and kids every day. I'm hanging out at the crib and like, you know, that's all, wow, this is really great. You know, I'm loving this, you know, the money part, we'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. And, and the part about being connected, like face-to-face connected, literally breathing the same air. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're not supposed to do these days, but that is part of what glues human beings together. Right. When we're together in the same room, breathing the same air, having an experience. Right. And um, listening to each other, like really and listening. listening. So I... I, some years ago, I took a little sabbatical and I spent some time in um, Santa Fe at a Zen center. Nice. And once a week, we got a day of what was called personal practice, which meant we could go off the reservation. Nice. <laughs> you know, we like leave the Zen center and like be out in the world, you know, and, like do something in a mindful way. And there's all these uh, different Native American communities in that area, Navajo and I don't, I don't remember all the others. It's, you know, amazing stuff. The people there in these villages would have these ceremonies. And I happened to be there at a certain time of year when these ceremonies were happening frequently. And outsiders were allowed in. Right? These are ceremonies these people have been doing for who knows how long, right? Wow. Outsiders were allowed. But here's the rules, kids. No cameras, no video, no sketch pads. You can't record this in any way, shape, or form. That's not permitted. What's permitted? Be here with your presence. Wow. It was extraordinary. I mean, it was extraordinary on one hand to be able to observe these ceremonies. But the thing that was most extraordinary is the presence of a group of people participating either by doing something or by being observant of what was unfolding. Wow. Heavy, heavy. Incidentally, New Mexico is where we're planning on relocating to. New Mexico. Yeah. Well, you know, on, on the license plate, it says land of enchantment. Yeah, it sure is. It's true. Yeah. We've, we've, yeah. we've always been, I've been drawn to that place since I was a kid and we took a couple trips out. We both, so we're, we're planning on that's, that's uh, where we're looking at. Fantastic. Yeah. But interestingly enough, going back to what you were talking about, I have been, you know, it's funny now that I'm studying Chinese medicine, like my whole life has been like completely like I've destroyed my spleen, right? Go to bed, like eat dinner late at night, all this stuff. So now I'm getting to bed early. Like I'm in bed, like, like I can't even believe it as a musician, how early I'm going to bed and I'm waking up early. Now, all of a sudden, man, like, man, I just feel so much different because I'm kind of harmonized with you know, I'm not on the vampire schedule. I'm not out all night playing music and then sleeping during the day. And and so what I've really been thinking about, and Zev Rosenberg's writing has impacted me about thinking about this. And also I, I took a 10-week Dong acupuncture course with um, Dr. Henry McCann, who also teaches at PCOM, and I took his classics course, mm-hmm. is that you have to embody the medicine. Like you have, you have to do it too. Like I have to harmonize with the seasons and harmonize like all the stuff that is talked about in those first couple chapters of the, of the uh, Huangdi Neijing. I got to do that too, in order for me actually to be effective as a practitioner. 
And so I'm starting to like kind of think really deeply about that. Like, how do I embody this? Am I practicing Qigong every day? Am I getting up at when I'm supposed to get up? Am I going to sleep? Am I in harmony with the seasons? What am I eating? Am I like eating Ben and Jerry's in December? Or am I eating like a, a stew or a porridge in December? You know what I'm saying? Like, we actually, we actually have to, we, we get, we got to do this too. Well, I, you know, I don't think we have to. I think you can practice the medicine and not do that. However, you're going to understand it better if you can understand it from the inside. And that comes through the practice that you're talking about. I think it is possible to practice at a certain level and probably be helpful to people mm -hmm. at a certain level. Yeah, I think you're right. But if you, oh, like, I've been studying this Sa'am acupuncture for the past couple of years. Yeah, I've been watching. I've been, uh, I've been, it's very fascinating. Uh-huh. So what's happened for me because I've engaged this particular method, I feel like the method's also engaging me. It's been weird. It's like sending a ping out in the world and getting an echo back. There's this sense that's starting to arise of the five phases in the six confirmations, the six chi, not being these intellectual constructs, but actual embodied experiences of the world where sometimes something else kind of come through and I'll go, Oh yeah, that's the urinary bladder, cold water. There it is. I Ooh. get it. I see it. You know, or like it's, it's a beautiful fall day here right now. And I'm able to look out the window and the, and the sunlight is just so, and there's still some flowers on these really green plants in my wife's garden. And it's like, oh, that's the very late summer just before it turns into the fall. This is the, this is the moment where the harvest has to come in or you will lose it, right? And we all have these moments in life. You know, I think about like, like running a business, right? You run businesses, you know, you're a musician, you know how to run a business, right? You can work really, really hard. You can put a lot of content out. You can, you can like, make things happen, but you also have to know how to bring it back in and harvest the efforts of what you put out. You need both. You need both. Definitely. You need both. And yeah, I think one of the beauties of Chinese medicine, I love hearing you talk about it as well. There is a way to live into it so that it actually lives out through us. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is yet for me. I mean, I'm too early on the path. What's helped me a lot is to at the school clinic there are P shifts, per, practitioner shifts where the where the supervisors, our teachers actually treat patients. So what I did was I would always go get treatments from different people just to see see how they treat, see what what the differences are and to feel it, to feel like how does when when one person needles me versus another like what is the response? Um, Dr. John Pye, who's one of the like heavyweights at our school, it was the first time I ever really could feel he put a needle in, put it in on the spleen channel. Where's it going? Well, it's going over to the gallbladder channel. Where's it going now? And I could feel it starting to shift. And, and I could feel it. Well, it's, it's on the spleen channel now because I can feel my big toe vibrating, but it's going down. And he's like, let me know when it starts to go up. And I could feel it starting to go up. And I wasn't watching what he was doing. I'm just on the table, just feeling it. And every point, he doesn't needle very many points, like four points, but he really 
gets them talking to each other. You know, it's like a Beethoven string quartet. There's only four instruments, but those four instruments, they're like, they're doing their thing, right? And before he left the room, and it was very powerful, like like it was strong chi sensation. But before he left the door, I was like drooling and snoozing, like I was out. Mm -hmm. So that type of, and then I've gone to see other people who like, I don't even feel the needle go in. I don't feel anything. But then when I get off the table, there's this huge, like transformation that I feel um, and, and everything in between. I'm using like kind of two extreme examples of very gentle treatment, very strong treatment and what I experienced on the table. But that's been hugely helpful to me to go and, you know, it's like going to hear different guys play. Like I'm a trumpet player. I love like going to hear everybody because there's something I can learn from, from, from everybody. Exactly. Yeah. You hear a certain phrasing and you go, Ooh, I wish I thought of that. Right. Thanks, brother. Right. So now, now I don't know how that is going to, you know, like Gil Evans used to say that, that, um, you know, you have this funnel and everybody you listen to goes through the top of that funnel and hopefully you come out the bottom of that funnel. Right. I think that's exactly right. And so I really think that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So I'm at the point now where I'm just trying to, you know, I'm in my penultimate trimester. I'm starting to get my study strategy together to pass board exams. But I'm just kind of, I'm like trying to be this wide open vessel. Like I, I really want to study with somebody, I don't know who, like Shan Han Lung based to just really ground myself in that, that foundational thing about the classical formulas and how, how, how. Zhong Zhongjing thought, like, why did he think, well, if a cough's happening, you take these out and you add these three herbs and like, what was the thought process to really understand that? And then I see the acupuncture part of what I do. I really want to work with vets. I really want to work with athletes and martial artists. The psycho-emotional thing really resonates with me because I've gone through so much shit myself that I've had to address. I come from a military family, my mother and my father, uncles, my nephew is serving right now. And I feel like that vets have really been like, you know, we send them into hell and then they come back and it's like, all right, well, you know, here's a few pills and you got it, you know, like not good. We need to help them. And I think our medicine does a great job in helping them. So that's mm -hmm. something I see. And, and athletes, you know, my elbows jacked up from an arm bar. Can you fix it? Yes, I can fix it. Come, come see me. This medicine can help you. But I'm really wide open. Like, I'm just like, whoever it is, whatever, I kind of trust that, like, whatever it is that you believe in, like, there's some force that puts people in your path. Like, you meet the people that you need to meet at that time. So I'm kind of trusting in that. Well, it's worked for you so far, hasn't it? Yeah, it sure has. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what else? It's worked for me so far, too. I think it works for most people. I think that's a trustworthy path. That is a that is what I would call a path with heart. Yeah. I think so. And it's just whether we recognize it or not. Well, you know it when it shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you do. Yeah. Hopefully. You well, do. I, 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 I pro I'm sure I've missed plenty of cues along the way, but I know that there's a few cues. I, I can think of certain moments in my life, you know, just like a luminous moment where somebody said something and it was like, the world was different after that. Mm. And, and there was no argument from my rational mind. It was just like, oh, okay, it's like this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, it is. It, it, it's kind of a surrender. It's like a giving into. It's not a giving up, but it's a giving into. It sounds like it steered your life and your career. Well, um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, you know, there, there's the things that you 
have volition over, like I have volition over coming up here and practicing my horn every day. I have volition over cracking these books open and going over these formulas and looking at the points and looking at, you know, why does this guy use this point combination and the other person use that point combination? How is it that Miriam Lee did the same treatment on so many people with different things and she got results, right? So now I'm thinking, okay, well, hmm, how is she like, it had to be something about the precision of how she located the points and got them to connect to each other. Like I'm trying to just think about, you know, like how I listen to Miles Davis and say, man, well, why, how did it, what made him think to play that note? Like, you know, just look, trying to get inside people's minds, inside the process. Cause I think it's easy to not easy, but it's simple to just look at what point somebody used and just say, okay, I'm going to go and do these points. I think it's another thing to try and understand what was their thinking behind it, what was the logic behind it, what was, you know, what was the undergirding of of, of a foundational principle that was at play. Right, the first principles. Yeah, what was that? And if I can like kind of get a grip on that, then I feel like now I'm onto something. Now that's something that I can really like kind of dig into, like I can build on that. So that's kind of what I'm, you know, like how I'm approaching this. Like, and I and again, like with like total humility. Cause I'm like totally at the beginning of this journey with Chinese medicine. Well, you, you put your feet on the path and that's, you know, you got a, you got a new trajectory because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you, you bring everything else along, including your ability to play jazz. I, I've got a mind that likes to try to understand things in an analytic way. Um, it's it from the family I grew up in and just kind of the way I've been in the world. It likes to work that way. One of the things that Chinese medicine has given me over the years is an opportunity to use other parts of my being in understanding how the world is and sometimes how to act without having to engage that analytic process. So, I, I mean, I imagine it's like someone like you is playing jazz. Right. That sometimes there is a reason someone plays a certain note, but other times... And I've only heard Miles Davis play once. And it was one of the most horrifying experiences of my life. But I, I can remember listening to him. And it's like, you know, when I look back on it, it's like, you know, why would he play that note? I don't know if there's any rationale or reason on why he was doing anything other than he was like into something and it was moving through him. Right. You could deconstruct on the other end why he might have done something. But in the moment, well, maybe because that was just a note to play. Right. Right. How do you know that? Well, you don't know it except when you're in the moment. So, so sometimes when I'm doing treatments these days, uh, it's like, okay, it's time to begin and I know where to start. I don't know where it's going to end, but I know where it starts. I know where the treatment starts, but I don't know where it ends. And the patient will go, what are we doing today? And it's like, that's a great question. Let's find out. <laughs> and, Interesting. And, and, I, and I, used, I remember the first time that came out of my mouth and I thought, oh, holy crap. That doesn't sound like much confidence to the patient, but I think I said it in such a way with, our, with because I truly I was truly like yeah I'm fine with not knowing because we're going to discover as we go and, and it it actually went just fine much of the time I work this way I know where to begin but I don't know where it ends I wonder if it's um it's just me speculating I wonder if it's just that like you've done this for so long that you you can the patient's body is going to tell you where to go and you're so in tune to it. I trust the patient's body to tell me. I trust the pulse to tell me. I trust the tongue to tell me. I trust what I feel. And I trust a kind of feeling in the room. Interesting. I'll tell you, man, what's really like, what's really freaked me out a lot is, um, and I mean that in a good way, not in a bad way, 
like uh, what I learned, one thing that I learned from Tom Bissio from being a patient is that he'll feel the pulse, you know, on the intake. But then as he's needling, he's always going back and rechecking the pulses, always going back and rechecking the pulse. Where is it now? What's happening now? Yeah. And so, so I've kind of like, like that, like I said, pulses really resonate with me. So that's what I'm doing in my little, you know, practice at school as an intern. And it really amazes me how when you get it right, the pulse is like, they change, you know, like, like you can feel it. Like there, there it is. Like the pulse came up and that it was like weak and, and it had no force at all. And I needle these points and now I feel it again. And now there's like life to the pulses, some buoyancy to it. I can feel yeah, it's, right. it's starting to groove now. And um, it's like, wow, man, this, you know, it works. It, the medicine works. Yeah. And, you know, and it goes the other way too. I have found there's times I'll put some needles in. I want to go check the pulse. And it's like, uh-oh, that just got a little disordered and wiry. That just got agitated. Damn. Right. Such a good idea. Proven wrong by reality. I got to take those needles out and do something else. Do something else. Right. Yeah. But, that, but that's good too. It's just the way it works. You know, I've got lots of good ideas. Many of them are wrong. Oh, trust me. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's songwriting right there. You, what you just described is songwriting. Well, that's also Chinese medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of brings us full circle back to where we started this conversation. Yeah. There was this old jazz musician. He passed away, but I got to sit next to him when I was playing in Illinois Jackets big band. I was one of only a few non-African Americans in the band. And most of these guys were older guys. The trumpet section that I was sitting in, Johnny Grimes was in his 70s. I was just out of school. I was in my 20s. And so Irvin Stokes, who sat next to me, he used to always say, everything's everything. Everything's everything. Right? So now it sounds like some like kind of like, you know, some mystical jazz musician mumbo jumbo. But man, here we are, like full circle. That's what we're saying. We're saying everything's everything. Like it's kind of like if you understand the root like all this other stuff that you can kind of get with it. You know, everything's everything. Love it. I, I think that's a actually a terrific place to wind this down for the day. I so appreciate you making the time today to uh, share your experience with us. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm honored to be here. You know, like, like I said, like I'm, I'm a student, but we're all students, aren't we? We are all students. If you don't mind, I would just like to, I would like to just, give a shout out to mm. uh, Jason Ginsburg, David Thoroff, Jeremy Pulsifer, um, Dr. Sharon Zhao, Dr. John Pai, and all the teachers at school who kind of have nudged me. Because really, like all things of depth, all subjects of depth, it's transmission. It's a human being transmitting to another human being not only knowledge, but also the feeling of the medicine or the feeling of the music or the feeling of the martial art. And I know you feel the same way. I know there have been teachers in your life that mm -hmm. like you are who you are because they said this thing to you that like propelled you. So I just felt like I would be remiss not to mention those names of, of my teachers at Peacock. I thank you. I appreciate that. I think it is so important to honor those who have helped us along the way. I got to tell you, sometimes I look back on the people that have helped me to get to where I am today, who've taken time with me to help learn the medicine. Honestly, I'm not sure I would have wasted my time with someone like me if I was them. I've been super lucky. I hear you. I yeah. hear you. Believe me. All right, brother. Well, good luck with the rest of your studies. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate maybe, it. Maybe we'll circle back in a year or two and uh, see where you're at with your practice. That would be, that would be very cool. 
Okay. All right. And and maybe at some point I'm going to be coming through your neck of the woods. Um, you know, maybe the boss man's going to go back out on tour once the dust settles with COVID. So that'd be good. I'll bring you into I'll bring you into my clinic on stage. The Chinese have a saying, Ho Dalao, Shui Dalao, keep learning your whole life long. I so appreciated Barry's perspective on how everything that he's done has brought him to this moment and the practice of medicine. How about you? What has captured your interest lately, and how do you see yourself exploring that unknown terrain? Tune in again next week for yet another conversation with a student who wanted to interview me as we explore marketing and business. I just love it when I can be on the other side of the microphone and let someone else drive for a change. If you've got some questions or some concerns about marketing and business, be sure to tune in for this geological perspective on business and marketing. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.